We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition. I'm John McKechnie, sitting here as always with Mario Puig. Mario, bowl season is finally upon us. Are you getting pumped? Yeah, I just uh, finished and posted the the confidence pick article that I do, and uh, I'll be taking part in Tim Schuler's confidence pick uh, tourney with with that same lineup, so everybody can. Uh, this is among Rotowire people only. Sorry, but yeah, John, you can you can look at what I'm going to submit All in right. that article if you want. Um, but yeah, otherwise uh, we're we're also going to be working on Jason Thornberry, 
uh, always organizes our spread picks for bowl season. So we'll be doing that. And it's a, yeah, it's more of a more of a time crunch than I was anticipating. So yeah, it's all moving a little faster than I would have thought a few days ago. Yeah. So uh, the the article with with your picks, my picks, Thorns, and a few other uh, of our college football beat writers, those will be up on the website presumably by Friday. So they will be up uh, for public viewing before uh, bowl season kicks off. In case you have any last minute tweaks to your to your picks, you know I, I probably will have a few uh, changes from what I say on here today versus what's going to be finally submitted. But uh, I feel pretty confident about about what we're about to get into today. Yeah. We're basically going to go pseudo rapid fire. We're going to hit every single bowl game here, starting from the New Mexico Bowl all the way up through the championship here. Uh, so I say. Without further ado, let's get it going here. So Saturday, starting us off, uh, New Mexico, uh, seven-point favorites against UT San Antonio. Yeah, I actually, so uh, either my second-to-last or third-to-last, so in other words, like second or least confident pick, uh, I'm actually taking UTSA to win this one. New Mexico is a very steady variable obviously like they they do what they do and not much else and uh if you are a team that isn't good and you're playing against them and you make one or two mistakes that's all it takes to just get the clock ran out on you with with them having you know any any trivial lead they can preserve but utsa has has a little bit of firepower like they're not a good offense but they, they got a few pieces like a few competent receivers um seems like they uh generally avoided turnovers at the quarterback position um, I think this Jarvian Williams is their running back, and he finished the year with a low yards per carry, but he's been uh, explosive in the past. And if you look at his game logs, he just kind of had a couple high volume, tough matchups in, in between some, some of his more uh, characteristic, uh, you know, yardage outbursts. So I think he gets going against New Mexico. Uh, Terry and Gibson and, and Tyrone Owens do a lot for New Mexico, but I, I think UTSA's ability to throw better than people anticipate uh, lets them win this one. I, yeah, I think that UTSA is definitely going to cover here. I, I do like that one. Uh, New Mexico obviously is is a tough team that that you know is going to be able to run the ball. And one problem that UTSA kind of has is they give up short fields. They rank like 85th in in, in average field position. Allowed. Okay. So you know if if they're giving New Mexico those short fields to work with, uh, that that does spell trouble for them and they, they, uh, New Mexico has a guy that ran for 16 touchdowns on 126 carries this year just kind of like a short yardage type guy um, but I really like what Frank Wilson's been able to do at UTSA that you know turning around from like a three and nine season last year to bowl eligibility in his first season and I think his favorite band is trombone shorty from from that uh, poll of college, oh, right. college football coaches yeah. so that gives him some cool points so I think that 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 sort of pushes me in the direction of UTSA the Roadrunners are able to cover that one yeah I don't know how they got such a uh, bad field position because like they weren't giving up kick or punt returns but uh yeah anyway we'll see I, I, I think their ability to, I, th- I think New Mexico's defense is a little more more vulnerable to uh, the passing game of UTSA than maybe the models might be able to uh, foresee okay and you like you said UTSA Josh Stewart and Kerry Thomas uh, both of those guys well over 15 yards per reception so you know those are a couple downfield guys that I definitely like damage. them to cover and yeah I'm, I'm picking them um, more of like a game theory kind of thing that to, to actually win with like my my three-point wager all right we got the first game theory drop of the day I like it all right moving on Las Vegas Bowl this is one of the better bowl games I can't believe that we're kind of getting this one out of the way on the first day of bowl season but we got Houston uh, versus San Diego State here we got Houston is three and a half point favorites but obviously they just lost Todd Herman Todd Herman so or Tom Herman sorry uh so <laughs> Todd works Todd Tom Tom Todd uh but 
I mean, how do you see this one shaking out? Because San Diego State's been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde late in the season. Yeah, the, so they're, all year their run defense has been very good, but uh, their pass defense showed quite a few cracks in the last month or so. And I think Greg Ward, um, I mean, he's not like a classic passer, and without Herman there, you do worry about them losing some sort of tactical adeptness. But I do think that Ward can throw on these guys because they've they've been giving up so much in, in recent contests. Like Colorado State just butchered them through the air. And granted, Colorado State's been pretty hot in general lately. Yep. But I think Houston, I would take to beat Colorado State by like, I don't know, like at least a touchdown. Right. Um, so I, th- I think the spread is about right here. Um, but I will, t- I will definitely take Houston to win. I haven't thought about what I want to do with the spread because I can imagine it being like a one-point victory or something. But I don't like the general matchup for San Diego State because they're entirely run-dependent. Um, Houston's rushing yardage allowed or rushing uh, per rush yards per carry allowed is definitely skewed by the ridiculous sack yardage they've accumulated. But um, in terms of yardage, they just don't allow that much either. Um, So I I think it sets up poorly for the, for the game flow for San Diego state. And I can definitely imagine Greg Ward, uh, you know, great senior quarterback going out on top here. Right. We got a couple of program legends kind of going at it, playing their last games for their respective teams with, with Ward and then Danelle Pumphrey on the other side. I really do agree with you where this really comes down to uh, the, the Houston run defense, versus the San Diego State uh, rushing offense. Yeah. and uh, If know. Pumphrey gets going, that's very different, and I generally don't see him doing better than like 4.2 yards per carry. I think he needs to get over five to win it, and he could do it. But uh, he's he's slowed down a little bit lately, and right. I think I think people are like San, San Diego State just is not getting anything going through the air, and uh, I, th- I think they need to do that as well. I think I think Pumphrey needs to be better than he was in the last month, and they need to get more out of the passing game. And I'm just not convinced both of those conditions will be met. Right, and then you know on the other side of the coin, like you said, Greg Ward should be able to attack them at least a little bit through the air here. So I I do like Houston to win this one. I, I like them to cover as well uh, at, at this spread. Yeah, I'm leaning that way, too. Um, Moving on to the Camellia Bowl. Uh, We had a good Camellia Bowl last year. I believe App State was in that against Ohio. And then this year we got App State in here again. This is really interesting. This is is actually a great matchup as well. Toledo uh, checking in as one-point favorites. Yeah, they're down to one. It opened at two and a half. Um, I I definitely am taking – this is one of my also lower uh, confidence wagers, but I'm definitely taking Toledo to win and cover – um, certainly one point and probably two and a half also basically for me comes down to that um, Taylor Lamb the quarterback for Appalachian State really wasn't very good this year I think he was kind of exposed as a, a system quarterback who he, he was wildly efficient uh, even as a passer before this year um, but it, I think it's become clear that he, he the offense was basically carried by that running game and, right. and like a, a, a really good uh, sound system that that limited his ability to make errors Against Toledo, he's going to need to step up. I'm just not convinced he's going to be able to do it. Toledo's defense is much, much worse than Appalachian State's. Right. But Woodside is way better than um, than Lamb. And meanwhile, I, I'm not convinced Marcus Cox and Jalen Moore are better than Kareem Hunt and Terry Swanson. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Woods, Woodside had 43 touchdowns this year. Yes, in a 9.9 uh, yards per attempt. Yeah, that's crazy. And he actually like finished a bit slower than you might guess looking at those numbers. But, uh, yeah, Appalachian State will make it tough. Tough on him, I'm sure, but I, I think 
Toledo, a 40, 40 touchdown quarterback like like a Woodside with three good receivers, John Vea Johnson, Cody Thompson, and Corey Jones, uh, they're going to, I think, win this one just because I, I, I can be – if it gets to shootout mode, Appalachian State loses, I think. Yes, every, every time. I think that, you know, the first quarter of this game is going to be especially pivotal when you have, you know, such a dichotomy between the two play styles. Um, if App State can kind of come out – you know, have a really nice established first drive, you know, put some points on the board. Yeah. I think that in the, in that situation, I like App State to sort of take over because their defense is so good, even though, you know, Woodside is going to be able to, to produce against them. But yeah, like you said, if Toledo comes out firing on all, on all cylinders, I don't see where App State can, can really do anything in catch-up mode. I'm just going to lean towards App State being able to come out and control it a little bit earlier on and, and, and establish what like their brand of football. So I'm going to lean that way, but I totally see where Toledo uh, can definitely win this one. And obviously, I think the spread kind of shows where it, this one really can go either way. Right, and the line shrinking obviously shows there's there's plenty of reasoning to go to either side. Agreed. All right, moving on to the Cure Bowl, we got Central Florida versus Arkansas State. So I think Arkansas State covers this. It's down to five and a half. Yes. It was at six and a half. Neither of these offenses is good. Nope. And um, it's it's a weird situation because these are, this is I haven't seen many situations like this where you have two max tempo offenses that are bad going against a, a good defense on the other side. Both of these defenses are good. Right. I'm inclined to, to believe that uh, Central Florida wins, even though I think Arkansas State makes it closer than five and a half. Um, if only because they play at a much higher level of competition. Um, but yeah, they don't really have much going for them on offense. Like the Mackenzie Milton, their freshman quarterback played admirably this year, but there's no production there. Right. The running game is weak. Um, but yeah, they got a good defense and, um, all, all, I guess the reason I'll lean towards central Florida is that, um, basically they have Traquan Smith and I am, I think he can probably get open against Arkansas state. He's not like uh, your typical above average Sun Belt receiver I think he has a pretty good chance at being in the NFL in the future he's okay. been very good the last two years so uh, he, he I think if necessary makes the, the, the game winning kind of variable for them uh, but I do think it'll be close a lot of three and outs maybe a few turnovers yeah, I think I kind of have a similar read on this one. Um, I think that Central Florida does does win it at, at close. I could see it being like a field goal type of situation. Yeah. Um, really, I guess my question here because it, it, this spread is tough for me to pick. But I mean, how do you see the over under shaking out at forty nine and a half? Forty nine and a half. Uh, that's tough. Um, I think I'll take the under. Um, I just so Justice Hansen, their quarterback, who they installed, I think in like October, right, uh, for Arkansas State, can't run. Uh, much better passer than Chad Voidick, who they started with, but um, I'm not convinced he can throw on Central Florida. And in the meantime, Arkansas State has these two good Sun Belt backs, but Warren Wand is like five five one seventy. Johnston White is their sensible power back, and I think he's about 190 pounds. Um, I, I think UCF has just way better athletes. They tend to have very good athletes at, U, at UCF. Like it's it's kind of like uh, the Marshall of the South, where they like get all the Miami talent that like couldn't get into the bigger schools for whatever right. reason. So um, I think their size speed advantage ends up uh, making letting them get the win. Certainly. Um, I guess I'm almost talking myself into thinking that that Central Florida covers. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll punt on the spread pick for now, but I will take Central Florida to win. All right, I think we're on the same page there. Moving on to the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, we Ugh. got we got Southern Miss going against 
UL Lafayette. Uh, Southern Miss uh, is a, only a five-point favorite here against a, a, a Lafayette team that I've found to be pretty underwhelming throughout the season. And Southern Miss, they, they were kind of Jekyll and Hyde. They've in their been own just right. bizarre. But, yeah. you know, they came out and they beat Louisiana Tech the, the last week of the regular season. And, you know, that was on the strength of a healthy Nick Mullins. And I think a healthy Nick Mullins is the difference here. I think, to me, this one jumps out as an obvious Southern Miss wins by at least a touchdown. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. Well, I, I don't know. I won't say you're wrong. I'm definitely picking them to win. But uh, if they if they don't if they don't cover, uh, it probably has something to do with their run defense that allowed 4.7 yards per carry. Okay. And uh, if if Elijah McGuire is healthy, and I have no idea how to guess you never whether know. his foot has been bothering him for like a month now, and I don't know if three weeks off will totally do the trick. Um, but even even aside from that, I mean, the Lafayette can't throw the ball. Anthony Jennings is worse than Jalen Nixon. Who I don't know why they have him starting over Jalen Nixon. Jalen Nixon yeah, is better. Head scratcher. Um, yeah, it's it's almost like if they had Jalen Nixon starting at quarterback, I'd pick them to cover. But I, yeah. Anyway, uh, two great running backs in this game: Elijah McGuire, Edo Smith on the other side for mm-hmm. Southern Mississippi. Um, I'll probably end up picking Southern Mississippi to cover five, but in the meantime, I'll just say I'm, I'm picking them to win, and I had them. Uh, I don't know, some, someplace in the the bottom half of my confidence wagers, but uh, I think probably out of like the t- like the ten worst or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so just to reiterate, I do like Southern Miss here, and that line has grown from Lafayette uh, two point underdogs to five point underdogs, so trending towards uh, a Southern Miss uh, win there. So I, you know, like I said think Southern Miss gets the win and the cover there. Uh, moving on to Monday, December 19th, we got Central Michigan going to Tulsa. I think this would have been a, a much better matchup coming into the year, but the, the attrition that Central Michigan has kind of had to take on has really sort of taken taken out the venom of that, of that offense, and Tulsa's been pretty impressive on offense throughout this entire season, uh, and the line reflects it, it, or Vegas thinks that Tulsa's going to win pretty big here, 12.5-point spread. I mean, yeah, is that too many points? You think? Uh, well, it, it opened at eleven and a half, I think, up to twelve and a half, and I, I guess it—it's hard to argue against. Central Michigan was just bad in the second half. They went um, four or two and four in their last uh, six games. Uh, they lost to Kent State. They lost to lost, Virginia. Lost twenty points to Miami of Ohio. So, uh, but then they, they beat Ohio twenty seven to twenty. So it's it's hard to get a read. The MAC is weird. Central Michigan's weird. But uh, particularly disturbing is how Cooper Rush fell apart in the second half. Right, as a veteran starter. Yeah, he's a senior uh, fourth year starter, and like he lost everything in the second half. He was just a wreck, and he he probably gets his feet set a little bit for this game. But Tulsa's got a pretty good defense, and um, I. I I just don't think he, that there's enough firepower alongside Rush. Like the running back position, they have nothing really at Central nope. Michigan. Like Devin Spalding's all right, but um, they only have one receiver, Corey Willis. He doesn't have any help right now. And then Tyler Conklin, the tight end, is obviously good. But on the other side, Tulsa's just loaded with weapons. Like James Flanders is going to run wild here. Uh, D'Angelo Brewer probably goes over 100 in this one. Keevan Lucas should uh, declare for the draft after this if he's not a senior. Maybe he is a senior. Yeah, but either way, he, I think, goes out strong. I think, yeah. I so, so too. Josh Atkinson is good, too. Uh, Justin Hobbs is also good. So I I think it's, yeah, between, like, the tempo factor of Tulsa and, you know, it's like whatever, whatever you think a normal average tempo team wins by in this game, you have to add a field goal at least for Tulsa because they're going to have, like, three more drives than, than a team like another Central Michigan would uh central michigan's mid-tempo at most so i I definitely think tulsa wins that 12 and a half is asking a lot but uh, if it was like 
10, I would be like, oh, yeah, it's Tulsa for sure. Yeah, and to, to your point about the, uh, the tempo, Tulsa actually has this uh, runs the second most plays per game in the, in the nation no, behind yeah, only Baylor. And they're a run-heavy team. Half. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like they're they're truly going like no huddle, no like barely even any time to breathe. Yeah, just yeah. just warp speed. So I think they're going to really tire out uh, Central Michigan that hasn't seen that sort of pace before. And I think they they are able to cover this one. You know, obviously you like you said, you wish it wasn't twelve and a half, but uh, I think in, I'll probably in this, end up leaning that way. Yeah. In this case, it does feel like Tulsa's got uh, the requisite firepower to to trust them with that. Even though there have been times that during the year where, where neither of us trusted Tulsa, but I think we're, we're on the upswing and we both feel uh, pretty good about their offense this time around. And, and like you said, their defense is also playing pretty well. Uh, moving on to Tuesday of that, of that week, we got the Boca Raton Bowl, another good uh, power, or a group of five game here. We got Memphis versus Western Kentucky. Right, so I don't know how to guess what the effect of Jeff Brom getting hired by Purdue yeah, might be. Tough. For what it's worth, their assistant head coach is, is going to be running this game, and he's the former head coach of Houston, which is to say, like, I didn't think he was very good. At, this is the same guy who thought it would be a good idea to start John O'Corn over Greg Ward, so whatever. But uh, <laughs> I think it's like one of those things where he can't screw it up that much in one game, especially since he probably is just going to try to do what they've all done all year. So, um, and they got great players at Western Kentucky. It's not like all the scheme that dictated their success. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it opened at six and a half. It's down to a five point spread for Western Kentucky. I think I'll take them to cover that. Um, I think I would have taken them to cover six and a half. Even uh, the Memphis pass defense looks pretty good at a glance, but they haven't really played anybody this year. And Ward put like four sixty and four touchdowns on them last week. So right. uh, Mike White is not a skilled quarterback, but um, he's good in this system. I don't have a reason to think Memphis is going to slow him substantially. Taywan Taylor. You know, throwing to him, he'll he'll do a lot of the work. Nick Norris, I think, also yes. has a big game in this one. Uh, but Anthony Wales is the reason I'm going with Western Kentucky. He's like he is the best running back they've had at Western Kentucky, even over Rainey, Leon Allen, uh, Antonio Andrews. Like he's he's just so elusive and explosive with the ball. Um, Memphis's run defense has been a problem all year. I, right. I think Wales just pummels these guys. Yeah, I, I don't see a, a scenario where Western Kentucky isn't able to put up, you know, like f- 49 points or more. I think that this is this is just a recipe for for a huge offense game. I love the over under sitting at 80. I think that I think that this game could definitely go over. I think this this bowl game tends to be a little bit wacky. So I'm I'm leaning towards Western Kentucky. I could uh, I would take Western Kentucky at, at a touchdown in this one. So I. I, it's not that I dislike Memphis, and I think they finished the year strong. Obviously, they had a nice win over Houston there at the end, but I just think Western Kentucky, this iteration of Western Kentucky is too loaded right now. Right. Uh, it, and Memphis is in the first year of their system, exactly. too. They have a first-year starter. Um, obviously, Mike White is the same thing, but he's, he's basically like a senior after how long he's been in college football. He's been at that school for a while. Um, also, Memphis only Memphis doesn't have the the skill position talent. Like their running game is a couple guys, like Daryl Henderson, Dorland Dorsey, are okay, whatever, but they can't carry an offense. Um, Anthony Miller is a beast at receiver, yes. but uh, Mil- Phil Mayhew, like their second leading receiver, only has like 600 yards on the year, whereas like Nick Norris has. Um, you know, like I'm just going to guess it's like 12 and 14 touchdowns or something. Exactly. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Western Kentucky. I think they're just too fast, too talented, too experienced too. Exactly. Yeah, that that experience factor on the on the offensive side of the ball, especially uh, that that does take some of the sting out of Brom leaving. So I think we're both pretty strongly in favor of Western Kentucky on this one. Moving on to Wednesday of that first week, we got the San Diego uh, Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Uh, we got BYU. 
uh, versus Wyoming here. Right. The betters seem to really think highly of BYU or lowly of Wyoming. I don't the, understand either of those. The over-under over dropped from 57 to 56, while the spread opened at 7.5 points for BYU, which surprised me, and it's up to 8.5. I think I'll take Wyoming to cover eight and a half. I'll take BYU to win it, though, because their defense is definitely substantially better than Wyoming's, particularly against the run. So uh, the way I see it going is Jamal Jamal Williams gets up to like 180 yards and two or three touchdowns. Right. But Brian Hill gets held to like 120 yards on like 30 carries and a, and a touchdown. And um, I'm just not convinced Josh Allen is going to be able to make up the difference that that otherwise puts on uh, the otherwise burden that gets put on Wyoming in, in that scenario. Yeah, the 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 Williams factor here when when he's healthy, he he really was one of the more dangerous right. backs in, in all of college football this year. And Wyoming, yeah, defense is certainly not their calling card. But I think Wyoming has the firepower on offense to to keep it yeah. you know keep it respectable here. They so could win. That, I mean, like BYU is going. I guess I should mention Taysom Hill is out. Tanner Mangum is going to start mm-hmm. for BYU, and he changes things a little bit. Uh, he he doesn't run. Uh, Hill obviously ran a lot. Mangum's more of a, a traditional quarterback, so uh, I don't think that really changes anything. If anything, they might get a little better on the BYU offense because Hill was not doing well in this pro-style steam that Ty Detmer installed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tanner Gentry has been automatic all year and even last year against tougher opponents than BYU. Right. So uh, he can do something. Hollister finished strong this year. Uh, if, if Allen puts forth his best effort and like avoids turnovers, Wyoming could definitely win this. I, th- I think eight and a half is too big of a spread. I think so too. And you know BYU has has been. I mean, their defense has played better down the stretch here. Uh, they they've allowed like twenty six points over their last three games. Fifty to Toledo, but, but they gave up fifty three to Toledo. Yeah. And I, maybe I'm hanging on to that a little bit too much here. But you know, at the same time, with, with what Wyoming does have on the offensive side of the ball, it, it is something uh, to where they they are going to be able to 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 keep pace with BYU for the most part. Yeah, and they got a lot better in the second half of the year. Like they they're not the Some team that lost to Eastern State. Michigan. Yeah, right. they, yeah, they, yeah. So they're they're they they only lost by 3 to San Diego State last time out. Right. Like yeah, it's 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 not a team that's just a pushover. But yeah, maybe maybe BYU's defense is that good and the Toledo game was an aberration. I'm I'm going to take Wyoming to cover though. As am I. All right, moving on to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We got Idaho yeah, sucks against Colorado State. Colorado State as we mentioned, has been hot, and I think the line represents that at uh, Colorado State, thirteen and a half point favorites. Here. I think they cover. I think they. I think they win by like twenty one or something. They, they are going to smash Idaho. Idaho's um, been a nice story this year, but they're just they a lucky team that isn't good and has nothing to offer. It's like their whole, like their best selling point is like they got two pretty good tight ends, and like their defense was just middling by any standard. Uh, I think Izzy Matthews and Dalen Dawkins both have nice games as a. At, at running back for Colorado State, Nick Stevens probably throws like four touchdowns on like twelve passes. Uh, Michael Gallup catches two amazing. of those or three of those. Yes, uh, yeah, Gallup goes off for sure. Uh, I, I just think Colorado State buries these guys. I think so too. I think is this Idaho's last game at the FBS level for? Yeah, right now? yeah, they, they they allowed more points than they scored per game. That's okay. That's it. That's a bad bad sign. Indeed. Just just an just an awful schedule like yeah that's that's how they're there right now and paul petrino is mad but whatever you're in idaho buddy he can stay mad um moving on to one of my favorite bowl games every year this game always is just completely nuts we got the popeyes bahamas bowl the 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 matchup isn't quite as fun as what we've had the past couple of years 
but it's still going to be great. We I got East, good, Eastern yeah. Michigan versus Old Dominion. Old Dominion, uh, they get to reward their fans for their first ever bowl appearance by going to a bowl game that none of their fans will be able to get to. But I don't you know, know, maybe like a, it, is is is, is, it, is it somewhere in Virginia it's, that's I near the beach or something? I thought it was near Richmond, but I could uh, I don't be, know. I could be wrong. But yeah, either it's a large state. I think this is a pretty good game. Uh, I don't know what the effect of Bobby Wilder going to Cincinnati is. He's the the coach of Old Dominion. Um, Eastern Michigan coach Chris Creighton has done a great job. Doesn't get enough credit Future for it. Around. Yeah, they they beat Wyoming earlier this year, and and that that turned out to be a case of like two good teams, not just uh, you know at the time no one respected either team, but uh, that that was impressive. And they're doing it with like a, a just like a changing cast every time it's like they don't ian erickson is their lead runner but they've had a couple other people get in on it right. uh they got this they got this redshirt freshman receiver like diuris Di- Di- still day i don't even remember anyway he's like he's 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 quietly gone at like 85 yards per game in his five games active this year with nice. and he's a big target so that's that's a variable that i think a lot of models probably haven't accounted diuli aristilde uh, 412 yards and two touchdowns in his only five games this year. He's 6'4", 200. Um, Sergio Bailey is also a good receiver right. for Eastern Michigan. So I think I think Eastern Michigan can keep the game close, but I don't think they can win. Um, and I, man, I really wish this was two and a half instead of four that it's up to right now. I would I would definitely take Old Dominion to cover at one and a half that it opened at. Um, four is asking a bit because I can see the Creighton factor and those two good Eastern Michigan receivers allowing them to catch up and like you know cover at backdoor if necessary. Sure. Um, but Old Dominion I think wins because their defense is quite a bit better. I'm guessing even though they played at probably a lower level of competition in the Sun Belt I'd say or, so. or is it Conference USA? Anyway, Conference USA I think yes. Um, Ray Lowry though is it, yeah I think he's an NFL running back. His backup Jeremy Cox looks really good too. Uh, they got at least two good receivers at Old Dominion and Zach Pascal and Jonathan Duhart. So David Washington, senior quarterback, who's good. Um, that's that's a lot more than Eastern Michigan has. I think even if I think that uh, their their ability to consistently overachieve makes them a threat to cover. I think in this one as well. Uh, I got to I got to go with the over here at 64. I know that seems kind of high when you look at these two teams, but I, I just think that this this game just tends to get insane very fast. I mean, last it's, year uh, I think the first quarter had like over 50 points. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, it was just Sorry, who was that? that like Western that was, Kentucky. That was Middle Tennessee versus uh Western Michigan. Oh, Western Michigan. Okay. So, obviously yeah. that that game had And then a the year before that it was Central Michigan Western Kentucky. Yes. Okay. And that was that was an that unbelievable was the dumbest game. Thing. That was like <laughs> I actually probably cried for my spread pick that time. It's like I wasn't wrong. This is nonsense. Yeah, it's just like the TCU Oregon game from a year ago, where we were right until until <laughs> Vernon Adams comes out and uh, what Foster Sawyer does it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that was insane. But moving, I mean, basically, end of the day here. You, we do, we do wish that ODU wasn't favored by four. That is quite a bit to ask of them. But I, st- I still am leaning towards. I am the leaning that way, yeah. As well, and then, like I said, I like the over in this one just because things get out of hand in the Bahamas. Let's let's note quickly that some combination of parents chose to name the Eastern Michigan quarterback Brogan. Brogan Robeck. So yeah, you don't cover for that. <laughs> you, yeah, there's no way to recover. Um, moving on, we got L- the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, this game would have been a lot better if Navy was healthy, but they are yeah. really, really banged up, and they, I mean, they just lost to Army. So we got Louisiana Tech 
versus Navy. Uh, it opened at Navy one point favorites. Yeah, now, I wish I was in Vegas when dollars. that came out. Right? Man, Seriously. I would have been like, I would have smugly put my life savings on that yeah, one. Because um, we got Zach Aby at quarterback for Navy now after Will Worth really just was one of the better uh, stories of this entire season. Yeah. You know, he comes in after Tago Smith tears his ACL in the opener and he's just running for like scores yeah, of Yeah, he was doing like Keenan Reynolds stuff. It was unreal. If it wasn't for Smith getting injured, uh, Worth would have never played. Because like, he's, he's like a fifth year senior right. or something. Um, but yeah, he was doing like Keenan Reynolds stuff. Um, but yeah, th- th- this opened at Navy favored by one. Um, I don't know. Quickly, quickly been hammered, yeah, I th- hammered I think, the other way. I think just since this morning or last night, it got uh, from three and a half to four and a half. If you're going to bet on this, like do it right away because I bet this gets closer to like six and a half, maybe even more uh, in favor of Louisiana Tech because, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Louisiana Tech is going to win this. Yes. Uh, Navy's defense has been legitimately bad all year, but Worth and his ability to just constantly get first downs and score, um, that is what has let Navy be competitive at all. Like Normally, you can't win with a defense like that. And when you're going against Louisiana Tech... Like, I'm sorry, but Trent Taylor, Carlos Henderson is going to be way too much for these guys. Absolutely, and Ryan Higgins is, has, uh, well, not not quietly, but he has had a, kind of a bit of a surprise. Had a really, really strong season as the full-time starter for Louisiana Tech, that offense. And I think he's uh, a fifth-year really senior. So. Right, he, he started a little bit in 13 before kind of getting benched for two grad transfer type guys most notably uh jeff driscoll yeah. a year ago but yeah this offense is simply just too much for what navy can handle and navy just doesn't have the f- i mean when you can't outscore army i think that's pretty telling so i i don't see how louisiana tech uh, wins this by less than a touchdown yeah i would probably be willing to take tech to cover if it was like 13 and a half all right, there you have it. So, yeah, pretty confident uh, in the Bulldogs down there. Uh, moving on to the Dollar General Bowl, a classic. We got Ohio versus Troy. Uh, Troy, four-point favorites. Right. Troy is probably the better team, but it's just Frank Schol- Solik in situations like this, like time and time again, he, he makes it harder than people expect and in like ways that they didn't think it would happen. So, um Again, largely because of like the game theory aspect. Uh, this was my least confident pick in the in the article, but I, I am taking Ohio to win it, um, and therefore, I guess I got to say I think they cover four. Right, I think Troy. Troy, I had a lot of confidence in until late in the season. They just start, sort of started to fall apart. They got they got smoked by Arkansas State. They didn't just get beaten. They got absolutely just they got taken to them. And then they also lost to, to Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern isn't the Georgia Southern of a year ago that that pasted. No. This, this is Matt Breda averages four yards a carry now. It's Georgia just, Southern. It's a sad, sad world in 2016. Pathetic. So, and uh, at the same time, Ohio winners of the MAC. East, uh, they they played Western Michigan. I thought extremely tough, and obviously, I think they probably got up for that game more than they will for this game against Troy. But at the same time, they showed me enough, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and they 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 were able to pull off some some long plays on offense as well, which I wasn't expecting. So I think Ohio, sh- I think they could definitely win this game too. I'm kind of on board uh, with what you're saying, and the 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 line suggests a relatively low scoring or over under suggests a relatively low scoring game at 49. I think Ohio can can kind of keep this one low scoring and, and i give them the edge there because their defense right and uh i mean troy is has a, a decent amount going for it a good sunbelt defense uh jordan chun uh running back had a big year brandon silvers is an experienced quarterback at this point but i don't think he's 
actually good. And Jordan Chun finished the year with like 4.8 yards per carry. That's a concern to me because Ohio's run defense is actually one of the very best outside of the BCS conferences. So yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm leaning Ohio. Is is a uh, I, I also think like that Ohio has more skill position talent. Believe it or not, it's like it's only quarterback that I think Troy has a tangible advantage. Fair enough. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, now that's a good point as far as the the Silver's experience factor versus the the sort of mix and match that Ohio can can do. Like Poppy White, what is up with that position? guy? He's like a running back, but no one can stop him from scoring on a receiving touchdown yeah, every he, game. Yeah, he's he's very explosive, very impressive player. So we're both here on the Bobcats, right on. And then moving on to the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve, we. Got got middle tennessee versus hawaii this is kind of a weird one we don't have a line on it yet because we don't know if brett stockstill uh the middle tennessee quarterback is going to be able to play he injured his shoulder in in the first week in november i think it was a broken broke the non-throwing shoulder collarbone so i don't know if that's a factor in why he's been able to make this faster than expected return but he's been in practice to some he was throwing within a week of surgery uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, whatever. I, I guess if it's not going to puncture your lung or something, then you, a, a doctor would be able to tell him it. that. Um, but, yeah, it, it seems like he, he says he wants to play, and, like, beat writers seem to confirm, like, he is actually at practices, and, like, they're not just, yeah, like, I've taking seen, I've a, seen the of him, uh, footage of him throwing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, if he plays, then Middle Tennessee's favored by, like, 21.5. If he doesn't play, I still think they're favored by, like, 7.5. Either way, Middle Tennessee's going to kill them, I think. Uh, Hawaii's run defense was uh, really remarkably bad this year. They allowed over 3,000 yards on the ground. Uh, Atavius Mather is, is not going to be slowed by these guys. Right, and you know, it, like you said, if Stock still doesn't play, they could just you know do the Richie James... Uh, wildcat quarterback and just so, absolutely work Hawaii that way. That so. would definitely work, especially against Hawaii's run defense. But I think they would start John Urzua. Like the reason they went to that wildcat thing was because he yeah, got knocked out with a concussion. So he, if he plays, he's not going to throw more than like twenty passes. Like they'll still run the ball more than usual. Um, but yeah, I, even even if it's Urzua, even if they don't have Urzua, I'm still taking uh, Middle Tennessee up to something like seven and a half. Absolutely, yeah. I, there's just not a whole lot to like on this Hawaii. Richie team. James is too good. Uh, Tavius Mathers is too yeah, good. Those two they even alone. got these other guys. Like they had, a, they moved a receiver to that uh, Dennis Andrews, who was a former Georgia Tech running back. Uh, like he's he's also one of their rotational quarterbacks. If if they don't have Orzua, okay, so yeah, they they got too much speed, too much too much polished talent on offense. I agree. I think that that one could get really ugly, especially if Stock still plays. But yeah, if way, he plays, that'll be the most disgusting bowl game pretty much ever. It's not going to be good. Uh, moving on to the St. Petersburg Bowl, really, really strange matchup here. We got Miami of Ohio versus Miss State. Uh, Miami of Ohio started the year zero and six, and then reeled off six straight wins uh, with gut with Gus. Uh, Raglan. Gus Raglan, I'm sorry, uh, taking over at quarterback. 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, 8.6 yards per attempt, a couple of rushing scores uh, to, to lead them to bowl eligibility. But Miss State, they've occasionally shown throughout the year, especially Nick Fitzgerald, that if they got the read option working, that I mean, that's a that's close to an unstoppable offense. Yeah, Nick Fitzgerald is the top-ranked fantasy player for me in this bowl slate because it's – 
it's going to be hard for him to not go over 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, Miami of Ohio has a, a good defense by max standards, but I don't have any reason to think it'll slow Fitzgerald. Um, with that said, I think Miami has a really good chance to cover the 13 that the line is now at. Lot. I don't trust Miss State with that many points. Right. I mean, I don't trust Dan they Mullen. You did don't trust Dan lose Mullen. to South Alabama. Um, at home for yeah. like their fun season opener. Yeah, so that, that was great. Um, but yeah, uh, 11 and a half, that, that I would probably take Mississippi State, but I would still feel queasy about it because uh, I think Miami might have more firepower than you would guess at a glance. Not not just because people don't know who Ragland is, but like Rokeem Williams was hurt a bunch all year. Right. Uh, he probably would be their best receiver in, in the box score if he was if he had been healthy all year. He got hot in the last game. Uh, James Gardner also emerged this year. So with the two of them, if they're both healthy and we're not going to find out whatever injuries they have if they have any. Like no one's going to report on Miami of Ohio. But if those two are healthy, Gus Ragland, who fin- who can run and finish the year with uh, 15 touchdowns and no interceptions, I think he can score on Mississippi State. I think uh, so too. Yeah. So uh, I th- I think I'm going to take Miami of Ohio to cover 13. Um, but yeah, I'll take Mississippi State to win. Yeah, I, th- I think we're both on the same page as far as this one goes. I don't see an upset upset per se, but I think my- Miami of Ohio makes it certainly respectable, certainly within that two touchdown parameter of 13 points here. So moving on, we got the Quick Lane Bowl. Even though I'm uh, I don't native, want to talk about this. Uh, yeah, I'll take Maryland, but oh my god, just don't watch it. Don't watch it. Maryland, Boston, College. boycott it more specifically. Yeah, that that'd be more effective to just not have anything like that ever again. Uh, moving on, we got the Camping World Independence Bowl: NC State versus Vandy. Four and a half to North Carolina State feels like a bit much to me because Vanderbilt finished really strong. Like their run defense was bad all year. But they showed, like, Kyle Shermer might have turned a corner in the last month of the year. And if he has, that, I think, makes this over-under and spread alike a bit problematic. It's a 44 over-under. North Carolina State's run defense was great this year. Um, but Ralph Webb has run on tougher defenses than this. Like, he's he's run sure. on teams like Florida in the past. So um, they got they got this other big back who's kind of like a, a goal Touchdown line. Touchdown vulture guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name. But he's he's pretty good, too. Um, if 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 Shermer shows up, then guy like Trent Sherfield could get going. I don't know whoever who their other receivers are these days, but uh, I'll take North Carolina State to win. But I think I take Vandy to cover at four and a half. I think I actually I'm I'm going to diverge here. I do like NC State to cover this one. I like the way they played late. I know that Vandy has that shiny win over Tennessee to kind of hang their hat on to end the season. You know, and they obviously beat Georgia this season. I like to remind everyone that that happened. <laughs> um, but NC State, I mean, they they looked really good. Good against against North Carolina, and you know if Finley is back healthy, I, I assume he will be. He got uh, knocked around in that in that UNC game, but I believe he'll be back. I think that I think that this Vanderbilt defense it does get some credit that and you know, Zach, Cunning, Zach Cunningham yeah. is really good, but it's not it's not as overwhelming as you might expect. It's it to worse be. than last year by yes. quite a bit. See exactly. So I, I, that worries me if I'm if I'm picking Vanderbilt to cover this one I think NC State has just enough on offense to to cover that spread at four and a half here so I'm, I'm leaning that way I, if I were to put it in my confidence I'd put it probably you know bottom 15 or so but yeah I, I do like the Wolf Pack here to cover well, that yeah I'm definitely taking North Carolina State to win I think I have them right in the middle of like 2021 something like that gotcha all right so we're both in on that one but you have Vandy to cover and I have NC State to cover. Uh, moving on to the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl, a rematch, a great rematch. This is weird. Army versus North Texas. So uh, 
Army lost thirty-five to eighteen against them. this team earlier, and this you so Army's favored opening is eight and a half. Over under stays the same. Now they're up to ten. I don't know why. Like I, I'm going to have to take North Texas to cover. Absolutely, but I'll take Army to win. And I guess the reason why I'm doing that is because North Texas is going to be without their starting quarterback more than likely, uh, Mason Fine, who I don't I don't know anything about ex- other than he's better than Alec Morris. He's probably going to have to start. Uh, it seems like it, it's only been reported as a shoulder, but it's been going on like a month plus now. So that sounds like a broken collarbone for Fine, uh, assuming there's not something else amiss, like labrum wise or whatever. Right. Um, either way, he's not supposed to play. Jeffrey Wilson, the running back for North Texas, is a very good player. Uh, he should be healthy from a knee injury that limited him in, in the last week of the regular season, but we're not going to f- hear about it. Like no one, no one reports on teams like this. This is true. So uh, if he's not ready, then and, and I don't, th- I have no reason to think the line has anything to do with that because like Wilson played in the last game. He's just he only had seven carries or something like that. So um, whatever. Either way, I'll I'll take North Texas to cover as long as Jeffrey Wilson is playing. Uh, but yeah, I, got, I guess I got to take Army because like I just don't to to win. I mean, because I don't feel like messing with Vegas like that. I think that the line might have inflated sort of in the same re- reason as to why Navy opened as as favorites in, in their bowl game. Maybe people are, are like a little bit too impressed that that Army was able. Army to pull beat it. a ranked team last week. Yeah, so so maybe that that kind of spurned people on, and you know, obviously, it, just like the. The sound of a team like North Texas, it's like, oh, of course their Army's going to handle them. But I, I think North Texas definitely makes it closer than the 10 points here. So I, I'm definitely leaning North Texas to cover. Yeah, I'll go the same way. I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw has been pretty bad for Army, their quarterback, yep. a turnover machine. He can run, but everything else is turnovers, basically. Yeah, so it, if they if they fall behind at all and have to throw it, they're in, they're in really deep trouble there. Um, moving on to the military bowl. Uh, we have Temple versus Wake Forest. Now that Wake Forest's mole has been unearthed, do you think that Wake Forest is better equipped to they're handle g- a Temple out? They're going to go eighteen and zero now. It's uh, they, they should claim the last three national championships. Yeah, I think I think they they have a case for that. Um, but yeah, I the spread feels like a bit much to me, if only because. Uh, Wake Forest's defense was pretty good, especially earlier in the year. Like they fell off a little bit in the second half, sure. but maybe that's just because what's his name just like started to cop make a few more copies for yeah. each game or something. I don't know, um, but yeah, I'll take Temple to win, and I'll probably take them to cover as well, just because they got a lot more talent. And like Jihad Thomas is a beast. Fentel Bryant is a really good receiver for Temple. They got a senior quarterback, a defense that's probably as good or better than Wakes. However good Wakes might be, Temple should right. match that variable. So, do you think the Matt Rule departure like knocks Temple down a little bit in your book? Not it really. makes me a little nauseous, but I have trouble imagining that guy not having like a a tight, uh, disciplined understaff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I bet. Uh, especially because like I don't know what I don't know what to expect from Wake actually if they're gonna be like we gotta like fight for our pride or if they're just like I am so mad at the school for letting the radio guy have the playbook <laughs> just undermine us like completely this is, I quit like that would that would be like what I would be like if I was on the Wake Forest team but uh, that's I mean that's I'm not an athlete or a competitor of any kind um, so yeah I'll I'll take Temple to cover I guess and they're pretty high in the confidence win rankings for me I th- I think the Temple definitely gets the win here. I don't think that Wake is able to score more than like 10 to 13 yeah, points. And yeah. I think Temple has enough on offense, even though Wake, like you said, has a respectable defense. I just don't really. 24 10? Yeah. I think that that's a very uh, likely outcome in this one. So I think we're both on the Owls there. Moving on to the Holiday Bowl, 
I wish that this matchup didn't exist. I'd like to watch Washington State in a, against a more normal team, but they draw Minnesota. The line has moved ballooned from five and a half for uh, Washington State to nine in the wake of basically half of Minnesota's defense getting suspended for strange, oh. strange doings last night. Um, it, it's tied to an incident from September. There's some restraining order and Title IX stuff involved. Oh, my God. It's, okay. it's not, I did not know about this. It's not um, good sounding, so I think – you know, I thought the Mich- Minnesota might have been able to kind of drag them into the mud at least a little bit, but I, I, don't, I don't see where they have the bodies on defense right now to where it's going to slow down a team like Washington State. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did not know of that. Uh, well, uh, I guess I'll be moving Washington State up in the uh, confidence rankings. Then I had them like middle of the road, but I'm going to move them up now. Uh, I, th- I still think Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks can run on these guys, sure. but and, and Leidner to some extent can probably run on them a little bit too. But if the Minnesota defense is not the Minnesota defense, then Luke Falk will just throw on them very easily. So exactly, uh, yeah. I guess I guess nine points makes sense to me now. Uh, without knowing more, I, I guess I'll just take Washington State to cover. I think I think I'm definitely leaning that way after after the wake of all those suspensions. It just seems like. There's just nothing that Minnesota's going to be able to do to really stop a team like Washington State that's going to be throwing it upwards of 60 times. Uh, Moving on, we got the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. Boise State versus Baylor. Uh, Baylor, 7.5-point underdogs. This one jumps out to me as as an obvious Boise State one, but maybe maybe the Baylor morale has changed a bit, and I think the line reflects that a little bit because it opened at Baylor as 10-point underdogs. How do you see this one shaking out? Uh, I think... I think Boise wins it. Like Baylor lost six straight to end the year, I think. And uh, I don't Miami. What's up? The anti Miami. Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think they, it's, it's like a, they have some talent on offense still. So that's why I can understand the spread dropping from 10 to seven and a half. Uh, because I, I do think that, uh, they can run a bit on Boise. Boise's run defense took a down year this year. That's some uh, injuries I saw. Yeah, Katie Cannon and Ishmael Zamora, both really good receivers. Sure. But uh, it's like when, when Baylor – Baylor has no, like, identity of any kind. They have nothing to defend. They don't stand for anything. They have a lame duck coach. Uh, they're probably pretty disillusioned in general. Um, Boise, you know, they're – they're going to be whatever they've always been. And I think that beats whatever Baylor is right now. So uh, I am a little worried about Brett Rippon screwing up because he's, I think been a a little bit of a liability in some situations, but uh, I think McNichols, uh, you know, keeps them grounded and and carries them to, I guess I'll take Boise to cover seven and a half, but I would have taken Baylor to cover 10. Okay. I I think that that makes sense. I I think in this case, I, I will lean the Boise State route as well. I think that they they just love the opportunity of playing against a, a Power Five team, yeah. beating them in bowl games. It just seems to be something that they kind of hang their hat on a little bit here. So I think that a, a team like Baylor, that that you know, like you said, has been pretty disillusioned, probably just ready for this year to be over and just kind of to start anew next year under Matt Rule. I think that Boise State takes advantage of it. I think a guy like McNichols potentially playing in his last collegiate game. Oh, he uh, better be. Yeah. Go pro. <laughs> Please. Uh, it, yeah, that's the situation where I, I think the, the Broncos are able to roll here. Uh, moving on, we got the new, new Era Pinstripe Bowl. We got Pitt versus Northwestern, another kind of an eyesore 
Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? We got we got Pitt five and a half point favorites right now. Uh, it's it's one of my more uneasy picks, but I I do think Pittsburgh covers five and a half. I think they win. Uh, basically, comes down to uh, while Northwestern has a better defense. I think Pittsburgh just has a substantially better offense, and this is going to be James Conner's last game with Pittsburgh. Right. I, I think he is going to have steam coming out of his ears on every carry. Uh, Quadri Henderson is tough to defend on the jet sweeps, I presume they are, because I doubt he's playing in the backfield much with Conner there. Jester Weah, too. Jester Weah, the long the field threat. So, yeah, they, between those three guys, it's like the north-south element, the horizontal running element with Henderson, and then the vertical uh, kill shot if you try to sneak up against the run with Wea. Uh Peterman has done well at quarterback this year. Like he's not a volume guy outside of unless he's playing against uh, Clemson right. for some reason. <laughs> but that was awesome. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he's been pretty good. And and meanwhile, on the Northwestern side, they have a very predictable channeling of of their Justin output. Carr or Justin Justin Jackson. Jackson, who I don't think will get much going against Pittsburgh's run defense, which is pretty good. And then Thorson, who's going to look to Austin Carr every single play and like Carr's going to have a good game but uh I can imagine like especially since Pittsburgh has a good pass rush I, I think throwing the ball 18 times at Carr could result in two interceptions or three right that's that would certainly be an issue I see this one being relatively low scoring 66 as the over under struck me is a bit high yeah I think it's just because Pittsburgh's pass defense has been bad all year but I think they'll be able to limit their liabilities because they only have to worry about car. So it's, it's easy, like double it. team him and blitz whoever's not busy after that. Pretty much. So I think we're both in on pit here. And then I'm, I'm in on the, on the under for that one. Especially. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not going to wager on, on that spread. I mean, I'll, I'll make the pick obviously, but, but I'm personally probably not going to be focusing too much of my dinero towards that one moving on to the russell athletic bowl we got west virginia versus miami this is kind of an interesting matchup i'm not really sure what to make of this it's it's opened at miami minus one now it's miami minus three yeah i'll take miami to cover three i think it's just a bad matchup for what west virginia is good at and bad at because their run defense is more vulnerable than their pass defense uh walton yearby even uh edwards if he's still playing or whatever uh all those guys i think can run on west virginia true uh west virginia is so west virginia is in a uniquely bad spot anytime they play a competent defense because skylar howard will no matter how much he knows the playbook no matter how well he's seeing the field that day he will not be able to put the ball where he wants to mm-hmm. uh, not reliably anyway uh miami's got a bunch of nfl level athletes on defense the defense has been pretty good by any metric all year I think that's just a huge problem for Howard, and uh, I think I think Miami causes a couple turnovers from Howard. Like I'm thinking two interceptions, and I, I just don't think the Mountaineers can slow Walton and Yearby enough to to keep themselves from getting buried as a direct result. Yeah, this is, this is a really tough matchup for West Virginia as far as what Miami does bring to the table uh, in this case. So I, I do think that that Miami should be able to to pull off the win by more than a field goal here. I, I, I I'd prefer to if I could get it at minus three before it goes up to you know four and a half or or, or six or something like that I'd, I'd i'd still be confident in getting miami but i'd like to get them at this minus three mark yeah i just i yeah i'm not even really that worried about the back door if, if it was like six and a half points yeah. or something because i shelton gibson oh also um what's his name 
One of the receivers, I think, is shorts or is shorts yeah, out? Karan White is out. Oh, Karan White's out. Right. Yeah. Like. So um, they're a little bit shorthanded at receiver. Uh, I I don't. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up if they need to catch up. Like if 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 the game flow goes favorably for them, yeah. Like uh, Kennedy McCoy and Justin Crawford can run right. probably on Miami, but I don't think Howard can throw on them. Yeah, and that, that's that's the issue if Miami's able to build the lead there. So I think we're both in on the Canes at minus three. Moving on to the Foster Farms Bowl, we have kind of an interesting matchup. we got Indiana versus Utah. Indiana is kind of this scrappy bunch. They always kind of play tough against teams that are supposed to beat the crap out of them, basically. Right. Uh, except, well, the Michigan game was kind of weird because it, it was snowing the whole time. But we got Utah seven-and-a-half point favorites up from six-and-a-half. Yeah, I I don't know I don't why know if I trust Utah that much. Right. For some reason, I was like, oh, six and a half, easy. And then when it got to seven, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and I can't really and give a good reason. Two thirds of the money is on Utah at this point. It looks like. Yeah, I can't really give a good reason why I'd be so nervous about seven and a half versus six and a half, but uh, I am. Uh, Indiana's defense is actually pretty good, and Troy Williams is not a good quarterback for no. Utah. The the reason. Uh, Okay, so Richard Lagow is an interception machine and probably a little worse than Troy Williams, at least. Um, like, he can't run like Williams. It's going to be an issue against Utah. Yeah, and I, Divine Redding always does pretty good, but uh, Joe Williams is way better, I think. True. Utah is better, I think, uh, general passing game projection here, too, because I, I just I like Williams and guys like Singleton and Tim Patrick against Indiana's defense more than I do Lagow with uh, basically just Westbrook and Ricky Jones right against Utah so i no, really no i don't i don't want to pick a spread here i mean Utah i think wins but seven and a half makes me uneasy yeah i'm not, i think that's a little bit too much I, I don't really trust Utah with that many points when when their offense can kind of go dormant even with right. you know, the talent that they have because it, it is legitimate talent i really like joe williams i really like tim patrick but this this isn't the indiana defense that we've seen and now, now their defensive coordinator has taken over as the head coach in light of the wilson firing i think they're going to rally around him i think indiana makes this one pretty close okay so i'm i'm leaning towards the indiana cover in this one Moving on to the Texas Bowl, we have Texas A&M versus Kansas State. Yeah, this one is it opened at two and a half for A&M, is down to two. I feel like I must be missing something, but I will take Texas A&M to cover that, and right? I don't even feel that worried about it. No, there's there's really not much to see here. Like, if as long as A&M's offense shows up, then then they'll be completely fine. So you know, Kansas Trevor, State, Trevor Knight is back. So oh, he is. I think so. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I did. I, even if it was a uh, Hubenak or whatever, I didn't really care that much because I, I mean. Kansas State has a good defense, and they can run the ball, especially like Alex Barnes is a new variable, but yes. I don't know if he's fully healthy for this. Like, he was nicked no, he, up in the left. He was supposed to start, and then he just sat out the entire game, I believe. Oh, really? I thought he had, like, five carries or something uh, minimal. But either way, I, I mean, if he's healthy, that's a big issue for A&M, but it's, like, the only issue. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Hubenak, he's not very good, but when you're throwing to NFL players like Josh Reynolds and Christian Kirk... like Seals Jones, too. Yeah, I know he hasn't done anything, but like I bet Speedy Noyle could get open on these guys sure. too. Uh, so yeah, when when you throw in like all that SEC level talent and athleticism for A and M, it's like two points. I'm just not. This is like low on my list of concerns. Exactly. So I think we're both leaning towards the Aggies here. Uh, moving on to the Birmingham Bowl, we got South Florida versus South Carolina. 
South Carolina, 10.5-point underdogs against an AAC school. It's it's not something you see every day, but in this case, it kind of makes sense. Well, South Florida, for at least two years now, has been worthy of, like, ACC promotion, whereas South Carolina is probably due for ACC demotion. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like, I I do think South Florida warrants their heavy favorite status here. With that said, 10.5, even 10, actually, makes me a little uneasy because um, I have no worries about South Florida scoring here. Like I, I think Quentin Flowers will run wild. Marlon Mack should uh, go pro, I think, after doing well in this game. Uh, Dernis Johnson can probably run on South Carolina. Rodney Adams is the jet yes. sweep slash long threat as a receiver. Um, but I like South Carolina's ability to score in this game. Um, like Bentley... I know it's not like a, a volume offense, but he was he was pretty good all year. Um, he's going to have time to prepare for this. South Florida's defense is bad against the run. It's it's like competent against the pass, but that's AEC scheduling. So I think Bentley can probably throw in these guys a bit. Okay. I really like Debo Samuel to get going. Ricky, Rico, Rico Dowdle, yes. if they give him the ball. Probably even A.J. Turner, too. Um, so yeah, I like I like South Carolina's ability to cover this one, actually. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. And then you got to figure also that Willie Taggart's gone. From from South Florida, that you know that I think that takes out some of the juice a little bit. So I, I like I think ten and a half is is too much. I think ten I, is asking, too much too. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I think they win by like six or seven or something. I think that's a lot more uh, within the realm of possibility here. So uh, I think we both like South Carolina to cover this spread here. Moving on to the Belk Bowl, not really sure what to make of this one. We got Arkansas versus Virginia Tech because both of these teams can look great. Or look terrible on a given week, but right? I think, I think Tech looks more more consistent. Yeah, yeah. You Arkansas know, is definitely more insane. volatile. Um, seven points, though, is I feel like asking a lot because Arkansas does have a lot of talent on offense. Like Raleigh Williams had a great year, including some nice box scores against tough defenses. Defoe Wiley is probably more talented than him. Right. Um, he's he got going in the second half of the year. They got four receivers who I think could have a good chance of playing in the NFL. Um, but I don't know if Austin Allen against the Hokies defense is able to capitalize on their talent. Like, uh, I don't know if Keon Hatcher, uh, Drew Morgan, Dominique Reed, and Hollister amount to much if, if Allen's just kind of uh, under pressure and, and not taking advantage of, of whatever the Hokies do leave up for grabs. But in the meantime, and like the main variable in this game is Arkansas's run defense exactly. is stunningly bad, like 5.6 yards yeah, per carry. set records against them like That's, this uh, year. Five point six yards per carry is supposed to, I think, get you uh, banned from the SEC. Like they're, that is know, grounds for expulsion. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Gerard Evans, one of the top fantasy quarterbacks, certainly of bowl season. Um, he's like their leading rusher. Obviously, a prolific passer in the Justin Fuente up tempo offense. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd look for Isaiah Ford to get going better after a weak final month of the year. Uh, I think both him and Bucky Hodges are gone, so I I wouldn't even be surprised if Evans is gone, even though he's a one-year starter. I mean, big, fast guy like that who doesn't turn the ball over, uh, especially if he, you know, pummels Arkansas here. So I think I'll take Tech to cover seven, but I'm not, I'm not really happy about having to make that call. But yeah, I'll go, I'll go on the flip side. I understand that the the concern for the Arkansas run defense, but I think Arkansas will be able to to hang with them enough with, with those weapons that you spoke of on offense and I, I guess this really comes down to or where we differ is I, I have some faith that Allen will be able to to not have a disastrous game and as long as that that can happen and the Arkansas run game gets going a little bit against Virginia Tech's defense I think they'll be able to cover this one 
I think that this this is a tough one to to parse out. Yeah, yeah, and that's all that's all fair enough. And I, I don't think Austin has a bad game. It's just I I don't think he has uh, even like seventy five percent of what Evans does. Fair enough. Um, moving on to the Valero Alamo Bowl, we got Oklahoma State against Colorado. Colorado three point favorites. Right, I, I I like that call. I think it'll be a close game, but I'm I'm gonna go with Colorado because. I mean, their pass defense. I had some questions about, like it was not questions. It was just like, are they are they truly great or merely good? And I think they're closer to great because they yes. they basically slapped up Jake Browning, even though Washington put that huge box score or that that huge uh, point total on them. Um, Oklahoma State has generally been better in the second half, but they still have these moments of unevenness. And like Mason Rudolph hasn't turned into the player that I thought he would be. Um, James Washington's disappearances for large, long stretches at a time kind of concern me. Sure. Um, not enough to the, like, I think they're going to get like shut down or anything. It's just like their defense, I don't think is good enough to cover for them while they deal with the kinks that they might deal with against Colorado and Seifo Luafau has been practicing. He, he, uh, had that ankle injury. We don't know what it is. Even if it was a high ankle sprain though, that he was dealing with, that Should would be, be okay a- by then. It'd be about a month that he's had to recover, um, and I th- I really think he could he could perform well against this Oklahoma State defense that's just kind of bad. Um, I don't really know that that is much going forward at all. Yeah, they have some thumpers in the back end, but you know that they're not consistently good at covering. And I think you know uh, Bobo might be back for for Colorado. He, I know he missed some time with an ankle late, so I think yeah, Colorado has a has a full complement of weapons on offense that I don't see where, where they score less than 30 points on Oklahoma state here. And whereas Oklahoma state, like you said, is going to have some, have some trouble figuring out what Colorado is bringing to the table on defense, especially when Oklahoma state doesn't have the sort of consistent run game to, right, to really, yeah. to really like tread water while, while the passing game gets itself. Figured how, out. how did Colorado lose 41 to 10 when Jake Browning completed nine of 24 passes? for 118 that, that yards. Made no sense. Yeah, so I I like Leofau if he's if he's able to play. Even if they don't have Leofau, I still yeah, take Montez Colorado. Is fine. Yeah, Montez is fine. I'm not worried about Colorado winning even though I do think it'll be close. I'll take them to cover 3. I think I will as well. Uh now we're moving on to the marquee matchup of course, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Oh, cool. Georgia Oh, 1 point favorites. Oh, very cool. Over over TCU. Yeah, I'll take Georgia to win, which is to say, I guess cover pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah, I, win. yeah, I, uh, I just, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I, it's going to be terrible. I will think the under is a little bit at risk here, uh, or I, th- I think the under is is like more likely than the over here. Um, Kenny Hill, I have no reason to think will do anything but kind of embarrass himself against Georgia. Uh, Kyle Hicks is a very good running back, but I'm not sure he can single handedly take. TCU, t- you know, to a point total that Chubb and Michelle will combine for for Georgia. Like I think both teams' defenses start out well, but one of them gets tired and starts giving up long runs. I have no idea how TCU could be the team that gets there first because Chubb and Michelle is just a lot more to deal with. I think so too. I think this is also a situation where Georgia's offensive line has looked really, really bad this year, but it's looked really bad against, you know, very good SEC defenses. I don't think TCU has that kind of front, whereas 
Georgia is actually extremely strong in the front seven. I think they're very strong defensively overall. I think you know a guy like Roquan Smith and Natrez Patrick in the linebacking core, and a guy like Trent Thompson up front. He's a, he's an absolute stud. Or Dom Sanders in the back end. I think TCU is get Kenny Hill's just going to be under duress for a lot of that game, and that's going to be a big issue. I think he's going to start making a lot of mistakes here. So I think that TCU falls behind early, not necessarily because Georgia's offense is going to be able to score at will, but I think we could see some like short field scenarios based on those TCU turnovers. I just think that Georgia wins this one in a pseudo-ugly fashion, but I I think that Georgia could win by like six-ish points probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think we're both in agreement on the dogs there. Uh, Moving on, we got the Sun Bowl here. We got Stanford versus North Carolina, and Stanford three-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I'll take them to cover. Obviously, North Carolina is a threat, but I just – I think that their weakness – is is too convenient relative to Stanford's one strength for, for them to project well in this like their run defense is a mess and yes. even 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 if you know Christian McCaffrey's going to come at you every play you don't know what way it's going to come at you exactly like he lines up at receiver he he obviously catches passes out of the backfield he's been playing at an insanely high level lately yes i don't know how north carolina is the antidote to that so and you the know what happened to them in the in their bowl game last year when, yeah. when baylor just decided to just pin their ears back and run it right exactly so i i think like if you could if you could tell me that like larry fedora would commit to getting elijah hood like six first quarter carries or something then i'd be like well maybe i'd have to rethink this but i think uh, larry fedora is going to do what he always does in situations like this and make it too hard on his quarterback and I think uh, McCaffrey has a huge game, and Stanford just puts the stranglehold on them with like a, a you know t- seven point margin or something. Yeah, this isn't the Stanford team that we've seen of the last few years, but it's still it's still good enough. To, Chris to has gotten a little better for them. That's true. That's a fair. I mean, point. he has no volume, but the efficiency is kind of good, and he can run a bit, little bit. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just don't. I don't see a scenario where, where uh, North Carolina is able to to match Stanford, uh, especially up front in in the coaching game. I think Shaw is going to you know run circles around Fedora, and I don't even think Shaw is that good. But like Fedora, just yeah, I, like he screwed up that Baylor game. I don't know how he can do any better in this setting against like a much tougher defense. Exactly. Exactly. Moving on to the Music City Bowl, Nebraska versus Tennessee, and sort of this the the. The matchup of just two really disappointing teams or two teams that were overrated and it's still shocking how they're ranked given how their seasons kind of ended up. Tennessee lost to Vanderbilt. Uh, Nebraska got absolutely smacked around by Iowa. Uh, South Carolina also beat Tennessee, right? They did. Okay, yeah. So and that was that was when South Carolina like hadn't gotten off the mat yet officially. Yeah, that's, that was before we had already uh, gotten rid of uh, – josh rosen and put bentley on his throne exactly um but yeah i i don't even i really don't know what to think about this game game. i'm leaning toward tennessee because i just feel like josh dobbs against a big 10 defense other than michigan wisconsin or ohio state is is something that he can do well uh, especially as a runner but i think malone can get open deep in this one um i think kamara can run circles around like any team pretty much other yeah, than alabama it, but especially he's healthy yeah then, then you know we're looking really good we're going to see a ton of yards from scrimmage from kamara but yeah like tennessee's defense is a, was pitiful this year but it wasn't it wasn't uh reflective of their talent and when that's the case it's it's hard to bet on something that doesn't make any sense to keep occurring over and over so uh, i do think nebraska you know scores points and makes it close but 
I got to take Tennessee to cover because I when it's like when I look at it as Josh Dobbs and Kamara versus Tommy Armstrong and like Terrell Newby or whatever, it's like oh my god, yeah, Tennessee. Exactly, exactly, and uh, Tennessee definitely has uh, a lot more firepower on the defensive side of the ball. And Ar- Armstrong, his regression towards the end of the season, like it, his number, he almost matched his numbers from the first for from the last two months. What he did in October and November was like almost the same as what he was able to do in September. Like it was. It, he just he was playing hurt part, but but yeah, I mean, I just I, yeah, it's not he's, like he was playing well before he was injured. Yeah, um, I I I just think Dobbs is better, and yeah. especially Kamara. Like Kamara is an NFL player. He's he's sh- he's way too talented for the Nebraska defense. Yeah, it's that that one uh, that'll be one of the big difference makers in that one. I, I think Tennessee takes care of business by by definitely more than three points here. I feel pretty confident about that one uh we're moving on one of the stranger bowl matchups they snuck it in on the friday here south alabama versus air force air force 13 point favorites it's a lot of points it's too many points for me yeah i don't want to go for the points but i do think air force wins arian worthman has been pretty awesome for them at quarterback Uh, they got a few people who can run uh, Jalen Robinette, good receiver, huge deep threat. Yeah. So, uh, other than Xavier Johnson and like Gerald Everett, I don't really know. Yeah, it, South Alabama does not have the firepower, but I don't know if Air Force has like the tempo to create that kind of point margin. I, I think they win comfortably, though. Sure. Yeah, I think we could see an Air Force ten point win, but I, I think thirteen is is a lot to give away in this scenario in a bowl game where where sort of weird stuff can happen in south alabama they d- they did pull off a couple of good wins this year they beat miss state they didn't they beat san diego state as well yeah they did they did okay so th- that's enough for me to think that they'll be able to make this one respectable uh moving on now we're now we're sort of getting into the really good games here we got the capital one orange bowl here we got michigan versus florida state michigan now a touchdown favorite over the seminoles yeah that's that sounds a about right although i definitely would prefer the six and a half sure. um I, I guess i'll have to take michigan to cover I, florida state had had been very good this year aside from basically their louisville game um but i'm not convinced that it's a very good matchup for them like uh they they give up chunks on the ground like their pass rush has largely covered for it but i don't know if your pass rush matters against michigan because no. uh obviously it's a different category of offensive line but also they don't really they don't aspire to throw the ball that much no they don't um but yeah basically just i I think between the uh you know grinding just exhausting nature of playing michigan they at, at least in the second half start breaking open the the florida state defense um, but I just don't see Florida State having sus- like consistent success on offense at any point. Like maybe Dalvin Cook rips an eighty-yard touchdown, but I bet he gets like twenty-five yards on his next fourteen carries. Sure, I, and I think the way I, I'm looking at this one is when, when Michigan didn't really have to play the, a ton of true road games this year, uh, but it felt like whenever Michigan went somewhere, it, 
it just felt like Harbaugh wanted to annex that area. He like, wanted to make it a went, satellite camp. Yeah, when he went yeah. to when he went to New Jersey for the Rutgers game, like any recruit in, from the state of New Jersey now wants to go to Michigan because of just the the sort of waste that he laid to Rutgers, and now he gets a chance to to beat up on another Florida school. Maybe, I, I forget if Jimbo Fisher is one of the offenders that that Harbaugh called a jive turkey yesterday, but he, yeah, he said that you know there are three schools that that have jive turkeys as their coach. They're trying to trying to besmirch his name and say he's leaving Michigan. I think that Michigan's going to come come out like with a lot more fi- like a lot more fired up for this game than Florida State is. But I think talent wise, it, it's not it, it's a relatively even matchup. But I think Michigan is probably better coached at this point. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know the Florida State has made it had a uh, penchant for slow starting really slow. Yeah, and, yeah, and Michigan, including Michigan can bury you that including, way. Including uh, last year's bowl game, obviously Sean McGuire getting hurt oh had a God, factor, but game. even before that, Houston was just punching them you know like it was right in the jaw and they were just were not they had their hands down yeah like exactly they, so yeah, I, so yeah I, I, wins I, okay yeah now i'm more convinced that michigan covers I, I wasn't worried about them winning but i'll, I'll take the seven points too yeah i think that they're gonna want to oh. make a statement the, the way that they pantsed florida last year too and i think that that harbaugh will make it a point to to say like hey nfl uh davian smith is good i just didn't use him that's true. Yeah, if if he gives him more than twelve carries, which would be I bet he gets shocking. like twenty five to me. Uh, yeah, because I think I think it's like well, he's gone anyway. We don't need to preserve him. That's and, true. It's true. Just let it rip. So yeah, I think yeah, if, if they let Devion Smith loose, the way he looked when they gave him a bunch of carries against Indiana, he he looks like a stud. So yeah, he's a bull. I think we could see that in play as well. And then obviously Jake Butt and Darbo and Je- Chesson are, are all solid players as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Tax Slayer Bowl. We got. Georgia Tech versus Kentucky. I, I love how this this is not even like the tax slayer something something, you know, like peanut bowl or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess we'll let you have an entire bowl tax slayer. Like, I don't know. Totally, man. Whatever. Anyway, uh, tax slayer. Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs defending tax slayers. Tax slayer oh, champions. Awesome. Yeah. So this is a, this is more prestigious than I'm giving it credit for. But uh, this is actually, I think, could be a pretty interesting game. Two bad run defenses against two great it, running offenses. Right. So uh, what's his name? Marcus Marshall's gone for Georgia Tech, which means I think they're going to go. Have, they have to go back to Dedrick Mills very heavy in this one. So is he back in the good graces of the coaching staff? Yet? I don't know He's if it matters. twice. Like I don't know if it matters. Like they don't have any. Like Quade Weimerskirch is the only other guy they have, and I don't know if he has more than like 20 carries on the. Year. I'm so glad we got a Quade Weimer skirt reference on this. Yeah, it's a cool name. Um, Fantastic. Can't tell what, what region it's from. Right. Uh, yeah, but uh, can, I, I mean, I got to double check on it, like Stanley Williams to see if he has any stupid minor injuries that Kentucky is is uh, making a big deal about. Benny Snell, obviously good, but I, I generally see like both Stanley Williams and Benny Snell going off. But I feel like I got to go with Georgia Tech to win just because... I don't trust the Stoops guy, and I've seen too many like inexplicable outcomes with Kentucky. Whereas like Georgia Tech is a constant variable. Like true, um, but yeah, three and a half, even let alone five, feels like a lot to me. I think I'll go with Kentucky to cover. Like Georgia Tech wins by like a f- field goal or one or two points. Okay, yeah, that, that three and a half. I don't see either of these teams, you know, really taking it to the other one. This this is a very even matchup. It's really kind of it's really going to be interesting to see how which which run defense 
actually makes a stand at, at one point or the other. Right. And obviously, Kentucky has has a passing game to lean on slightly more so than Georgia Tech. Yeah. Not, not not a whole lot more. Right. Than, I think Georgia receivers. Tech's yeah. I think Georgia Tech's pass. I'm going to try to look this up. I think their pass defense was pretty decent. Um, uh, this internet just is not what I need it to be. Okay, so they they're allowing seven yards per pass. They gave up thirteen touchdowns and had eleven interceptions in twelve games. So okay. maybe it, it would almost be in Kentucky's interest to just not throw the ball because Georgia Tech was a wreck against the run, and, and we know Stanley Williams and Snell can run on much tougher defenses than that. But Snell's extremely impressive. Yeah, I, I think him and Williams are both really good. I really totally. like Williams has been he's been doing that thing where he's like over seven yards a carry for like. 500 carries in a row it's it's a uh, it's convincing to me absolutely but, but yeah it, it, i think it'll be short and like you were implying it's going to come down to like well who's the loser who actually had to punt in this game one time and like yep. well now you don't get to win <laughs> exactly i think so i think we both lean tech for the win but kentucky probably for the cover yeah that's, i guess i gotta make that pick but i this is really a close one for me. Yeah, this is tough. Um, moving on, we got the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl. This is another interesting one. We got Louisville versus LSU. Right now, Louisville, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. The way they finish the season uh, makes me very concerned about picking them against an SEC defense, but obviously Lamar Jackson looked really good against A&M's defense last year. I think LSU's defense is better than that, Yeah, especially against the run, it's worlds better. A&M, for some reason, cannot have a good run defense. They just aren't capable of it, whereas like LSU, it's like, yeah, you're you're not going to run on us. Um, Yeah, Lamar Jackson is is a – you can't count him out, but – I I guess I kind of am in line with the betters who have uh, lowered the over-under from 60 to 61 while raising LSU from 2.5 to 3.5 point favorites. I got to take LSU to cover 3.5, even if they don't have Fournette. I think Guise could just sure. – Guise, sorry, uh, could totally torch Louisville if they play defense remotely like they did in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, I mean, for, for what it's worth, Louisville beat A&M last year in their bowl game, but they went into that – Having won, um, let me see, uh, eight of ten or something like that. Okay. Um, like they started zero and three last year and then got hot, uh, going uh, five and one to end the year. Uh, whereas this time it's like kind of it seems like people all started figuring out their secrets all at the same time. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, guys, I don't think can be defended by anybody but Alabama. Doesn't look like it. Yeah, Alabama, sure, but Louisville is not that. So I'll take LSU, and I, I think i got to take uh, the under here. I think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. I think you bring up a really good point about the way that uh, Louisville's offensive firepower has sort of been limited down the stretch here, and it's cost them a, f- a couple of games here. So, you know, when you got a guy like Dave Aranda and just the loads and loads of, of, of defensive talent that LSU has at its disposal. Oof, and man, he's he's in his first year with that team, with that scheme, those players. I bet they're going to they're gonna be like their best defense yet with the, these additional practices. Exactly. That's a really good way of looking at it, too. So I think LSU is going to be able to hold Louisville way under what, they, what you'd usually see from them, and that really benefits an LSU offense that 
really just needs to score like a zillion rushing touchdowns in order to put up points because you know I don't think either of us trust their passing game but in this in this case I don't think they'll really need to they can just give it to Geis the entire game and you know he's going to absolutely wear out Louisville for over 200 yards or or something yeah and I mean really like only Alabama I think can slow him at all like it's it's not even anything about Louisville it's just you're not Alabama sorry Geis wins yep exactly um we can either get into the playoff picks now or we can finish out the final four bowl games and then uh circle back to the to the playoff picks oh let's do the non-playoff ones okay all right moving on to the cotton bowl on january 2nd we got wisconsin versus western michigan wisconsin seven and a half point favorites i know wisconsin had a total meltdown there and kind of showed their one vulnerability on defense was the, it was kind of just the deep passing game and obviously western michigan can pull that off with with a guy like Corey davis and you know a veteran quarterback like Zach Terrell but I I think Wisconsin just kind of mashes them well I don't I don't think Wisconsin's nature really allows them to like like kill a team like Western Michigan but I do think they'll cover seven and a half too um I I think Corey Clement finishes very strong in this uh Western Michigan's run defense wasn't even very good by max standards so when you're dealing with Clement Clement in a Wisconsin offensive line Mm -hmm. I, I think I think Clement's on 200 yard watch three touchdown watch um, I think Terrell, despite throwing three hundred or thirty touchdowns to one interception this year, I think he melts down in this setting. Okay, um, not not like you know he needs a new pair of pants kind of way, but like <laughs> he he doesn't get over like two twenty five. He doesn't get uh, he throws more interceptions than touchdowns. Yes. Um, with that said, I also think Corey Davis convincingly makes his first round NFL draft case in this game because I bet he gets like twenty targets and he catches like eight for 140 yards and however many touchdowns Terrell throws. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, at the end of the day, er, er, we could also see like a garbage time touchdown from, from Corey Davis. As oh well. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that the difference in line play, especially when Wisconsin has the ball is just simply going to be too much for Western right. Michigan to, re- to really. And I don't up. think Western Michigan's going to be able to they're, run. They're going to, pa- they're going to panic being down from, from, from behind as as much as they might be and they they're not really used to that at, at all. I don't think it's happened once. I don't think so either. And they so did go undefeated. This, this so. is going to be an issue for for Western Michigan. Um as much as I enjoy Fleck and rowing the boat, I, I think that the Badgers cover this one. Uh moving on to the Outback Bowl, we got <laughs> Florida and Iowa. It's, uh, it's yeah, I, I bet this line gets bigger and I think it should. I'm not worried about Florida in this one. Um okay. I think I mean Iowa whatever their defense is above average nationally but i bet if they played in the sec their defense wouldn't look that good true um florida they they have like the worst quarterbacks ever but uh, antonio callaway is more talented than i think anybody on the iowa offense and i love akram wadley but um antonio callaway is like an nfl talent i think almost definitely yeah, you could, like, and, see that in him last year when he was yeah, a freshman and I, th- I think wadley is too but it's like i don't i don't think uh, well, first of all, Wadley would have to go superhuman, like carry the entire team on his back to to actually uh, match what Callaway can do in conjunction with uh, Jordan Scarlett. Mm-hmm. And uh, even P. Ryan, I bet, can get going against Iowa a little bit. Um, and as bad as Florida's quarterbacks are, Bethard has not been much better this year. He really hasn't. I don't, I, I'm just not convinced he's been healthy at all this yeah, that's, year. Yeah, it's hard to explain. His, his, run, his, his running ability in 2015 was you know like a little added bonus to right. the offense and i think he's like way in the negatives as far as his rushing yards go this year yeah he has not looked like the guy who they basically benched jake ruddock for um nope. i don't i don't know yeah maybe not by many points but i feel like this is one of those games where florida wins decisively regardless of how many 
points they actually are ahead at the end. Like it, this could be like ten to nothing or something. Yeah, it's gonna um, be it's gonna be like that. So I'm more focused on the on the over under for this one. But I'm comfortable with Florida two and a half too. I, I, I bet they win by like. Uh, I mean, I'd take them up to six and a half. Okay, interesting. I, I don't know if I would go that high. Maybe I'm just like. I'm not biased against Florida. I just like I I'm just so impressed by that by yeah. that offense. But Iowa's defense, like you said, isn't isn't necessarily all that in its own right. So that, yeah, this is going to be a really ugly. I, I see this being like Florida seventeen, Iowa nine or ten. Yeah, something like that. Okay, uh, let's see. We got Southern Cal versus Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I'm surprised that this is six and a half points for USC because it seemed like the like media started to, to be like, "Oh, Penn State is awesome again," just because of some you know very limited uh, sample size occurrences that they didn't know how to contextualize at all. I still don't think Penn State is that great. I think they're good, but I think USC is way better, and I I will take USC to cover six and a half just because um, I think Ronald Jones can can make a respectable showing as a running running threat for USC. Um, and Saquon is absolutely spectacular, but yes. I don't think that him plus McSorley gets particularly close to Jones plus Darnold. And I think the USC defense is better than Penn State's. So um, Franklin, whatever, great job this year, I guess. But I, I just I don't think many teams can beat USC, and I certainly don't consider Penn State one of them. I mean, if we, I think if we were looking at just the best five teams in the country like at the end of the season or who is playing top five i think southern cal would have to have been in that in that yeah. conversation for anybody uh i think if if they you know were somehow given a, a playoff spot i think they were they would be able to compete with any of those four teams uh just i mean put, they did beat washington way. and they, they kind of they kind at, of yeah on the road them. yeah they, they really took it to them so I think that USC just is one of the best teams in the country right here. And this isn't a slight against Penn State. Uh, I think if this is a scenario where Penn State really has to play catch-up again, they won't be able to do it as easily because Southern Cal's secondary is way more athletic than Wisconsin. Two first-round picks at corner. Yes, exactly. And then a guy that's only getting better, uh, the the freshman Jack Jones, I want to say his name is. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- and they got, you know, they got speed. He was a five-star. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Him, Marshall, and Adore Jackson. Uh, I think that this is just like this is the launching point for the USC potentially as a playoff team next year. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm definitely penciling them in there. Like Darnold, first overall pick next year too. Let's go. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're both uh, huge Sam Darnold fans. I think that you know this is this will be a better game, obviously, than like the Iowa Stanford game from a year ago. Uh, that'll be more competitive than that. But I, I just don't see a situation where where USC loses this one. Yeah, me either. I, I take them six and a half. Me, me too. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, we got the Sugar Bowl here. We're we're in a, of a very different opinion than the rest of the public. The public is totally in on yeah. Oklahoma three and a half point favorites. One thing that nobody seems to be accounting for is. I think the Joe Mixon video is going to come out like right before this game. Oh God! And uh, when that happens, yeah, good luck getting a single uh, coherent thought, you know, from whatever one synapse to the other without somebody like some reporter trying to like, get comments. Like it, they're going to be so distracted between not just that, but the D.D. Westbrook revelations from the Tulsa world. Yep. Um, I I would have taken Auburn to win. I swear, even before those things coming in, yes. but three and a half favored for Oklahoma. I I really am okay with Auburn covering. Like that's actually one of my favorite cover picks. But I'll take them to win too. I mean, think about it. Like the I think 
people can get caught up in what happened towards the end of the season a little bit too much, uh, especially with Auburn. But I think the Auburn stuff can be totally explained away, you know, there was a stretch in October where Auburn looked like it was, you know, of of that USC type of echelon where they they had a had a very convincing case to be a potential playoff type team. The way that they were going with with Cameron Petway and, and a healthy Sean White, Petway hurts his quad on at the end of like a sixty yard run that you know was becoming a habit for him, just running, just breaking out these huge runs. And Sean White, you know, he he played against Georgia with He's a bum shoulder, but I mean, he runs that offense well. I don't know how good he actually is, but now that now that both of those guys are going to be at one hundred percent, I think we're going to see the Auburn of October. October, more so than what we saw against you know Alabama when they were just sort of slowed down. And I don't think Oklahoma's seen a defensive front like what Auburn has with, with Carl like Lawson and Montrevious Adams. Like those are those are a couple of first round. Guys I think right there. I think everybody, not even like just the public. I think everybody is failing to account for just how bad the Big Twelve is. And I think it's this thing where like, well, somebody like whoever wins the Big Twelve must be good. And like we've expected, like, oh, well, Oklahoma's just good. They they are good. You, you just know that two Heisman finalists. Yeah, they they have to be that good, um, but I don't think they are. Like they they got killed by Ohio State, and that was a while ago. But forty five to twenty four, they lost At to home. Houston by ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody they beat since then, the best one probably like I don't know West Virginia, and I don't think they're a top like twenty team. So right, uh, they're, the Oklahoma run defense was averaging about four point six per carry this year. That was largely inflated by that weird snow game against West Virginia when Justin Crawford ran for five hundred yards or whatever. Right, but they still weren't good aside from that. And like the passing game and imp- their passing defense improved in the last month. But I don't care. You're playing Auburn, so I think I think yeah, the Petway runs wild. I think uh, Karrion Johnson goes over one hundred. I bet Auburn wins this by like. I don't know four to seven. It's gonna be another. It's gonna be another statement. You know, kind of the way like the Ole Miss uh, versus OK State game went last year a little bit. Oh, I, I don't even remember. It, that was stuff. that was the Sugar Bowl from last oh, year. Okay, but okay. I, I think I think Auburn. Uh, I mean, this might be a, a woodshed type of game right here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll take the under. I think, and I, I'll take like Auburn something like twenty-eight to seventeen or twenty-one or something. I, th- I think we could also see some Baker meltdownage. Yeah, I don't think he's that good. I should disclose. Like, I'm always lower on Baker than everybody, but I, I don't think this is a setting where he'll do well. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, th- th- this will be. I mean, I think we're both very confident that, that Auburn at least. Covers. Yeah, the cover I am just not worried about. Yes. Okay. Moving on. All right. We got the two playoff semifinals. We got Bama versus Washington. Bama, fifteen point favorites with an over under at fifty four and a half. Bama. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it's just so Browning hard. couldn't throw on Colorado. This is going to go badly. Yeah. I, I, I'm worried about. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be prepared. But I, I think at the end of the day, ban- I mean, you got to like build. It's in- like preparing for death. Like, what can you really do here? The, it's the, like you got to build in fourteen points from Alabama's defense and special teams right yeah. there, and then you got to figure Washington's probably not going to score more than seventeen I, points. I will uh, say they wait, they get fourteen. Like and I think Alabama gets up to like forty two or something. Yeah, so I I actually think the the over is in play here just because B- Bama just has a has a tendency to to when they smell that you're not even close to as good as they are they're just gonna absolutely smash you. Yeah, and and they can do it in so many different ways. It, it's just like this Bama team is is unlike. I think I think the best hope for Washington though is like just get that you know, int touchdown out of the way on the first time you have the ball. Uh, maybe they'll soften their coverage a little bit and then hope that they don't notice how fast John Ross and Dante Pettis are. But uh, right. that's only going to get you to 14. 
Yeah, uh, basically. <laughs> end of the day, I mean, there, there's just no way that Bama is going to give up nearly enough points to, to lose this one. I mean, the fifteen the fifteen point spread definitely like makes you think a little bit more than more than uh, maybe initially expected. But I still I'd still like Bama to cover this one. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. All right, so we're on the same page there. We're both penciling Bama into the final. Who will they be playing, Clemson or Ohio State? So the over-under opened at 61.5 is down to 60.5. Clemson opened at uh, – or Ohio State opened at three-point favorites, and they're up to 3.5. I don't know why either of those is happening. And, I mean, I can I can kind of understand, obviously, Ohio State is a great team. But um, I feel like given what Deshaun Watson did against Alabama last year and what we saw in um, his last game, and like, like you pointed out – when they get against a really good defense or just a high stakes game in general, they unleash this running threat that you didn't see all year before that. Exactly. um, They're going to prepare for that, but I don't know how much it can be prepared for, especially because Ohio state's defense doesn't look that good when they go against good teams. Like they're definitely a top 10 defense, but I don't think they're so good that they can truly slow Deshaun Watson. Whereas the Ohio state defense showed a lot of sluggishness in the second half of the year, especially the last month of the year. And, um, like you were also like you were mentioning uh, to me, uh, like JT Barrett is their power runner. Like he's bigger than Weber or Samuel even, obviously. So yeah. uh, he's like their power runner. He's going to get more work than usual in this. Uh, and Clemson has shown vulnerability against the ground, um, against carries. They're, they're, a lot of sack yardage has deflated what you would take for their rushing average allowed. It's basically like a half a yard higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ohio State will stay in it. Um, but I'm going to have to take Clemson to cover, and I think I'll take them to win too. Uh, very close, but I think they win. Okay, I've I think I've been I've been doubting Clemson a lot this year through throughout the year. I mean, it's, I think they're a good team. I just I don't feel like they they are deserving of being in the, in the national championship game. I think that they obviously deserve to be in the playoff. They showed that. Um, but I think that Ohio State. I give I give Urban Meyer the coaching edge first of all. Yeah, probably. I, I think they're they're going to be more ready. That they, they they won't have had that extra game to have to have played. You know, they didn't have to play in the Big Ten championship game, which would have been you know a slugfest. So they're going to be a little bit more fresh than Clemson is. I just think that Ohio State uh, they. I know that they don't have that Zeke Elliott type type of guy anymore, but I think we could see some serious hero ball from from JT Barrett. And if they give Curtis Samuel even like twelve touches total, that that could be enough to to just totally like scramble Clemson's brains on defense. So I think that uh, Watson might make some mistakes because that that Ohio State secondary. I know I know yeah, they, they yeah, didn't play great. as well as 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 uh, they could have late well, in the season. I mean, but yeah, Hooker and Gary and Conley. I mean, just a couple of just beast uh joey bosa's little brother nick bosa like only gets better every single week they have linebackers that cover you know sideline to sideline like it's nothing so that that's like the that's the best if they play right it's the best defense that clemson will have faced this year so you really it's a matter of can watson overcome that i i think he can but i i do think or he has the potential to but at the end of the day i do like ohio state to pull this one out so i think i'm gonna have bama in, in ohio state matching up in the championship and you have clemson and bama so why don't you run through your clemson bama scenario uh bama wins <laughs> okay all right i think i think we're both kind of just on on that end uh, of the spoiler guys alabama's gonna win the national championship yeah and so if you we said it first yeah if you haven't accepted that by now then i, I don't know what to tell you but uh yeah basically i, I think that bama would, would i don't think that this ohio state team is necessarily as good as the one they had in, in 14 and i think this bama one is the best one best championship team they've had probably since the 2012 run when they beat the beat the hell out of notre dame 
Uh, yeah, you're the historian. I, I can't remember really. So, but end of the day, we're both in agreement on Bama. So again, I guess that wraps it up for us for for our uh, bowl season picks. We'll be back again in February to do a pre-combine. Yeah, we're going to do some NFL draft stuff. We don't know when yet because I, I don't look ahead in my schedule more than like two days. So uh, if combine or something, yeah, yeah we'll, whenever right. that is. Yep, just get ready around combine time. We'll have another kind of primer for that one the way we did a year ago. But I guess that wraps it up for us for this season. I'm really looking forward to these bull picks, or bull season. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll catch you in February. that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa know-how If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.